Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Today we're going to continue on in our sermon series, asking for a friend. You know, I was looking at the questions as they were going up there, and it's like, why am I so fat? I know the answer to that one. I was like, yeah, got that. I know how to tie a tie. You bet I do. If it is kind of the cool ties that happened in the late '90s, I know how to tie that tie. And so uh, as we think about these different questions uh, that we're going through, and, and we have a great uh, series that we've started here and, and, uh, from the messages the last three weeks, and we're going to continue to move on. Next week, we're going to talk about what's the deal with baptism. We're going to break that down and really understand why we do that, what do we do, why do we say what we say, what does it look like, who can, who can't, all that stuff. But this week is the easy softball question, is why is Jesus the only way? doesn't seem very tolerant to say that there's only one way. There must be multiple ways and multiple paths to understand that. And that question, really, if you get asked that question, it requires a lot of clarification. It requires us to be excellent in the art of asking questions in return. It requires us to be excellent to actually uh, not be on the defensive and put up our boxing gloves, but really be interested in that other person. And it depends on how it's asked. Now, there's memes out there, and it's like, oh, of course, well, your God's the only way. What about the other 4,000 other gods? Why is yours special? The heart of that question is probably not the heart of curiosity. It's probably the heart of attack. But if somebody were to really ask you questions about why do you think that this Jesus is the only way, would you be prepared to give a great answer? Would you be prepared to give a great answer uh, scripturally? Would you be able to give a great answer from your personal testimony? Would you be able to, to really dive in and shine a little light on what it's done in your life? Because some of you in here may have been brought into Christianity because of the amazing evidence and you've done the research, and you were a research scientist, and you went through everything, and you went through every document, and you read through all of Josephus, and you, you're all these third-party writings, and you've done all the research, and you can factually show me why this is the best option based on, on mathematics and science and prophecies and what wasn't fulfilled and all those things, and here's the evidence, and here's the good news. That evidence is true, and it is real. And if you need to go touch, put your hands on the temple in Jerusalem that's talked about, you can. And if you want to go walk the paths that Jesus walked, and if you want to be near where he taught these lessons and performed these miracles, you can. The evidence is all there. But is that really what's behind this question? Is Jesus the only way? The only way to what? The only way to peace? To enlightenment? The only way to, to, for me to be happy? Because it's about my happiness. That's what I've learned in Christianity is it's all about me. That's not. That was a joke. No laughter. Zero. Scratch that one from the second service. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about community. It's about a we. It's about all y'all. 
and how we work together because that shows the world what God's people look like, not what God's person looks like, but what his people look like. So I kind of changed the question around a little bit this week because I was working on this. First of all, here's the answer to the question. Is Jesus the only way? Yes. And then you get the parent answer, right? How many of your parents, have your parents in there have ever said, because I said so? All the bad parents did. Okay, cool. That was me. Other parents sat carefully and explained and reasoned with their three-year-old, you know, why they couldn't run across the street. No, because he did say so, but we don't have to take that. Jesus gives us more than a because he said so answer. So let's rephrase the question. Josh, why do you, feel, why do you follow Jesus and subscribe to his teachings and his methods over other options in this world? Because there are other options. I didn't know there were other options. Are there other options? Not when you understand the historical evidence of Jesus. Not when you look at the facts, but... In the world, the big picture world, there's other options. First of all, I didn't know how empty I was. I didn't, I had this innate understanding, like, what is my purpose and plan? Am I just here to make a bunch of money and get a bunch of me and my stuff and not die without having a boat dock and a boat and it's all about me? Is that what life is about for me? Is what I can get out of it and what I can take? Is that why I'm here? I'm not a Christian because my parents were. They were not. I didn't grow up in a Christian church like this. I didn't sing these songs. I didn't raise my hands. I didn't cry during worship. Those are all learned traits. But I was looking. And I've grown in my last 27 years trying to understand what's God's purpose for me in my life. Regardless of my title, regardless of my occupation, what does he have for me? So let's talk quickly about some other faiths. There's roughly 8 billion people in this world. Do you know there's a counter on the internet where you can see how many people are actually dying and how many people are actually being born in the ratio? And we're almost to 8 billion people on this planet, according to this website. Two and a half billion of us claim to be Christians. We claim to follow the God of the Bible. Two and a half billion 1.85 million people claim to be Muslim. 1.2 billion claim to be uh, Hindu. Another 560 million claim to be Buddhist. That covers about 6 billion people. That's like 75% of the world is looking for a pathway. The other 25% are mixed up of a lot of things, which is fine, interesting. Less than 2% of the world, or less than two-tenths of a percent of the world are Jewish. Like 14 million to 15 million Jews. And what I found interesting in our state, because it's our particular state, I'm like, man, I have a lot of pretty cool uh, LDS Mormon friends. And I was like, man, everybody, this is just a huge faith. No, it's like 16 million. It's like less than two-tenths of a percent of the world is Mormon. In our state, it's 24%. And so, like, it's different. It's just like where your perspective is and where you are. And so, why am I not Muslim? because you didn't grow up there. No, like, I'm not Muslim. I could have chosen that. But the evidence isn't great. Their leader, Muhammad, died in 632 AD, and he stayed dead. Let me say that again. Muhammad died in 632 AD, and he stayed dead. And their theology is... I I just don't know that it matches up with, with... 
basic worldviews that I would look at about how we treat people. And there's some great Muslims in the world, some super educated, awesome folks, but like doing the research, doing the homework. Why am I not a Hindu? That's a popular one. Well, I don't live in India, for, in India first of all. Uh, but there's re- reincarnation. There's no, there's no savior. There's just kind of vague claims. And if you do things right, and all of our Hindu faiths have kind of led to all of our mysticism and our, 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 our new age faiths. But it's pretty vague. There's nothing to land on. It's kind of like you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and then we'll come back and I'll be an eagle. How come I'm not a Buddhist? Buddhism seems like more of a philosophy to me. It's like it's an overarching philosophy than a faith. Some of their basic tenets is we suffer because of our desire for stuff. Okay, there's no salvation, just more enlightenment. Oh, by the way, the founder of that faith, Buddha, he died in 483 BC and he stayed dead. And back to the question, Josh, why do you follow and subscribe to Jesus and his teaching, his methods over these other things in the world? The founder of Christianity is Jesus Christ. Now, remember this, Christ is not his last name. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, it must be his first, first and last name. No, Christ is not his last name. Christ comes from the Greek word Christos. It means the anointed one. If you chase its roots into Hebrew, it means the Messiah, which also means the anointed one. So Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the one. It's in his name. Now, Jesus made some pretty interesting statements or claims about himself. And if you were to take your Christian lenses off of this, and let's say somebody today claimed that they were God. Let's say somebody today claimed that they were the son of God. You'd be like, well, which? You're God, son of God, which one are you? Let's say somebody today claimed that they could forgive your sins. So he made a bunch of interesting claims about himself and others made them about him. And if you take your Christianese lens off, you would say that person's either a liar. You would say that person's pretty crazy. Or you'd have to come up with another thought process. You'd have to really investigate is what this person's saying is true and how would we know that? So last week we were a little Bible light, in my opinion. I was going back and reviewing the, the message, and I was like, man, I just I didn't have a lot of as much text in there. So we are gonna soak in God's word today. We're gonna soak in it deeply. I was thinking about this earlier, because you're building a foundation. This this message started off with these blocks about is it okay to doubt and to look at pieces of your foundation and put them into this foundation and have a great foundation. And what happens? When you soak in God's word, it's like building your foundation and those bricks. The soaking of God's word is like the mortar. And it's just filtering down and it's just coming over. And the more you soak in God's word, the better foundation that you have. And so let's talk about some of the claims that Jesus made about himself. He said he is the son of man. He said he's the son of God. He said he is the giver of of eternal life. He said he's one with the Father. Now, 
Check this out. This is in John 10. You're going to have to look up all of these for yourself. And I would, I would challenge you to go through these uh, texts. And as I was going through them myself, I was like, oh, but I want to add the front part of this. And I want to add the back part of this. And I want to put it together in context and not just give you a one-liner. And I would challenge you guys to go through these 18 verses that I'm giving you and look at the context on the front and back of it this week. Put some mortar on your foundation. Add that packet tight. Let marinate in the word of God. So I'm going to do John 10, 22 through 30. So uh, this is uh, in the narrative of uh, him being a good shepherd and overseeing his flock and his she- uh, the sheep. And there's conflict over Jesus' claims is what it says. I brought up the big Bible today, not the preaching Bible. This is the big study Bible today, so you guys know you were in for it. Here's what God's word says. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. You know how the like, details? Like when you're making, like, like details matter. It was this festival. It was this time of year. And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand and I and the father are one. This is in red in my Bible, quoting Jesus. He claims that he and the father are one. He claims that he and the creator of the universe, the air that you breathe, the planet that you're on, the food that you eat, he claims to be one with the creator of the universe. At the beginning, is he lying? Is he a liar? Is he crazy? Or is he Lord? He claims that he's the one who forgives sin. Verse 10 says, uh, in Mark 2, 10 says, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to them, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up and took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Who'd they praise? Interesting. He forgives sin. Now, how many of us in here feel like we've ever sinned before in our life? Jesus isn't here then. Oh, my goodness. He's the only one that lived a sinless life, and all of us raised our hands, right? Oh, sinning with power there, brother. And you were forgiven by Jesus Christ, all of your sins. Sins you committed in the past, the sins you're going to commit in the future, his blood has been shed for all of us. The other gods act differently. The other faiths look on those things differently. Well, if you start stacking up your good stuff and it stacks up higher than your bad stuff, then you've got a chance at a, something later. 
That's not what this God says. He's different. He claims to be the bread of life. John 6, 35. So here's what he does right before this text. He feeds uh, 5,000 people, which is convenient. I've been to the area that they think that this happened at. And then he does this little thing called walking on water. And then he's talking to them about the bread of life. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still don't believe. And those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up from the last day. For my Father's will is that, is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Is he a liar? Is he crazy? Or is he your Lord? He's the good shepherd. He's the true vine. He's the great I am, meaning Yahweh or Lord. He's the giver of living water, John 4, 13 through 14. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them uh, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's the light of the world. When Jesus spoke to the people, this is John eight twelve. when Jesus spoke to the people again, the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. He's the lamb of God. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the door of Salvation, John 10, 9. He's the Savior. So everybody knows this one, right? Like football season's coming, we all know. John 3, 16, right? I want to look at verse uh, 13 through 21. This comes on the hills of him talking to a very, very, very famous religious leader, uh, Nicodemus. And he's trying to explain. They meet in the evening, and he's trying to explain some things. So let's look at verse 13. It says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. What did he just, what did he just claim to be again? He came from heaven? He's the Son of Man? Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, or to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Is he a liar? Just telling stories? Is this a good story that two and a half billion people are believing? He's a healer. And here's a point 
that I think is really important as you wrestle with this question with people in your life. It turns to an idea that you get to judge them, that you are in the position of judgment seat because you picked the right God. Do you think God puts you in the position of judgment seat? Are you the one that dictates who goes to heaven and who goes to hell and and how this all works? Or are you called to be a servant of the most high God? John 6, 35 through 40. Whoops, wrong one. John 5, 16 through 24. The authority of the son. So because Jesus was doing uh, things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he even, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Then Jesus gave them an answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raised, just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one. The father judges no one, but he's entrusted that judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes them, believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death. So we're not the judges. We're the messengers. We're here to be equipped and to equip others with understanding the text and what God says about himself and let other people wrestle with it and they could see it through the evidence of your life. One of the things that was different for me is not just all the information, all of this other stuff. It was actually the fact that my life changed when I chose to follow Jesus and it was noticeable. Something was different about 19-year-old Josh Gray After he accepted the Lord, there was something different about my spirit. There was something different about how I viewed life. And that was the testimony. All the evidence has been there long before I ever was even thought of on this earth. All of this evidence, this history, the the resources in your, on your notes there are great resources and you can research and you can gain all of the intellectual evidence. But what is happening here? How is it changing you? How is God's word changing you? How are God's people changing you? What is happening in your life because you are a follower of Jesus? You don't need to be along to a club. This isn't a, this isn't a Christian club. 
This is about actually, truly being changed. Matthew 4, 19, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. How is he making you? We don't choose, I don't get to choose who's in or out. Well, what about the Jews? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. It's the Father who draws people to him. My role is to be a model of what it looks like to follow Jesus the best that I can, to try and express my understandings of who God is the best I can through understanding his word, but also in how I walk it out, how I walk the path. I'm fallible, very fallible, as some of you may be aware. Just so you know, astrology is not a science. Anybody catch that last week? Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, astrology is not a science. I just said it, and I don't know why I said astrology, but I'm fallible, very fallible. But I'm trying to clean up my side of the street. Trying to clean up the stuff in my life so I can better look like Jesus and be softer and understand what God's purpose is for me and my need and spots to fill in this world. Again, that doesn't mean I don't have an opinion or don't share what my understandings are of God, but at the end of the day, you get to make that choice. And you get to decide whether you believe Jesus is the only way, whether you believe what he said in this book, what you believe what was said about him in this book, and how it's going to change you, not just to intellectually understand it, but how is it going to change you? Usually this question, a lot of times, if you dig to the heart of it, it kind of gets back to the like, what happens when I die? Am I worm food? What happens to me? And you notice how when I was going through those other faiths, I said, but Buddha died and stayed dead. And Muhammad died and stayed dead. You know what one of the claims was of this Jesus that you are professing to believe in? One of the claims was that he died and was dead for three days, which was predicted, called prophecy, and he rose again. And he went and appeared to, to over 500 people, and, and Thomas stuck his fingers through the nails that, holes that were in his hands, and people saw him, and they couldn't understand. I thought you were dead. Like, we saw him kill you. We saw them beat you. We saw them put the, put the uh, spear in your side, and, and then the, the, the veil tore at the temple, and then the earth shook, and the sun was blacked out. Oh, yeah, Josephus saw, yeah, okay, he, they record all of those events happening, not in the Bible, but in other places. About a day an earth shook and about a day that the sun went out and about that happened to be the day that this Jesus, the king of the Jews, died. They record all that. There's all the theories about what happened to his body and all those things, but there's no theory about him appearing to 500 people because these are eyewitnesses. And you know what happened to these eyewitnesses when they were asked to recount their story or die? I saw what I saw. I'm not going to die for a lie. I saw what I saw. He was here. So the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, says, but now you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, sin has its, its, its arms wrapped around a lot of us. Even after I accepted Jesus, I still sin. I sinned this week. 
Pastor Josh. But my sin is covered by this Jesus that I believe in. He was the only person to have ever lived without sin. Sin was not going to end him. Jesus laughed in the face of death. He was able to conquer death. None of these other faiths have conquered death. No one else can pass through death and to the other side, but Jesus Christ did. So we get to go with him through baptism, through being immersed in his way and his purpose and his plan. We get to go with him. We don't have to be alone. We don't have to be in darkness. No other person can do that for you. No other God can do that. So again, why is Jesus the only way? Because he said so. And the evidence is overwhelming. And his grace is overwhelming. The written record is overwhelming. The eyewitness accounts are overwhelming. And the Holy Spirit falls upon your heart and you know it to be true. So what was his role? There's no other religious leader that did what Jesus did. No one was raised from the dead. No one fulfilled prophecy like he did. If you ever get into like a prophecy study, then you're like, I can't believe it. This happened 600 years ago. They said this, and then he did this. And it's like, well, you know, you can manufacture one or two or 48 or <laughs> you got to keep reaching. His message, his teachings, his miracles. No one lived the way Jesus did. Jesus is different. That's why he can take us through life really, really well by following his messages and method. And if you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, he's going to take you through death. And you will be with him in eternity. That's why I think Jesus is the only way. The evidence matches up. The heart change matches up. So speaking of evidence, we're going to take this time to go to communion as a church family. We do this every week. And every week we come back to the table to remember what happened, to remember what is proclaimed. And so if you don't have communion, we have our fellows uh, coming down. Uh, Ron, if you raise your hand, we'll get you communion. We also have, there we go, right here. Uh, We have gluten-free communion too if you need that. And we're going to celebrate this together. Celebrate somebody's death, yes, because his death meant a lot to us, did it not? Has it changed everything for you because Jesus died on a cross? That you don't have to worry about, about, about death anymore. Like it's coming, it's coming to get you, but you will not live there. You will not, you will not hang out in death. So the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took, this, uh, took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke and he said, this is my body and this is for you. 2,022 years later, we're remembering what's going on, what he did on this earth, that he did it for us. So let's remember him. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Remember that he is worthy and that he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. Let's remember. Father God, I just thank you for this time. 
I thank you for what you're doing with us here, that you're moving this church closer to you. You're moving this group of people, your people, closer to your purpose and to your plan. You're helping us see the world through different eyes, through your eyes. You're helping us see the needs in our community. You're helping us see the needs of each other, that we are here as a family, all pointed and under your authority and your leadership, Lord. Father God, I want to end with this, Lord. I want to end with what you said of who you are. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the light. No one comes to the Father but through you. Help us to, to work with that well in our communities. Help us to work with it with the heart of love and the eyes of love that see the heart behind that question. And to ask more questions and to engage and find out what people are looking for. We know it's you, but let's let them say it and hear it and and help direct them, Father God. Let us be great witnesses for you this week and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.